Hi, everybody, and welcome to Conversations with Casey. I'm your host, Stefan Molyneux, and on today's show, we have Alex Daly, Chief Technology Investment Strategist at Casey Research and editor of Casey Extraordinary Technology. Thank you so much for taking the time, Alex. Well, thank you for having me on. So you have become somewhat of an expert, I would uh, suggest, in uh, biotech and medically related fields. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of the enormous changes, particularly since the end of the Genome Project in 2000, that have occurred in this sector and where you think it's going. Sure. Uh, biotech's a really interesting sector these days. I mean, everybody remembers the sequencing of the Human Genome Project uh, just over a decade ago as a huge milestone. But then for the most part, you know, it was supposed to usher in the era of genetic medicine and new cures and, and all of that. But it actually ends up that there's a lot of work to be done in the time from understanding what composes the genome to understanding how it works. And only now, a decade plus later, are we getting to the point where we're starting to have insight into the genetics of the body, the genetics of certain diseases, in particular of uh, cancer is one of the most interesting places, uh, where work on biotechnology in general, understanding what proteins kind of make cancer tick, what genes make it behave different from the rest of the body, and uh, how we can fight cancer uh, using the immune system, using the chemicals that help it operate and uh, attacking it both at a physical level and the genetic level. It's really been a, a big set of advancements over the past uh, decade in the research lab. And these advancements are just now coming to the edge of commercial markets. So there's obviously been advancements in detection and treatment and a way of focusing some of the radiation treatments and chemotherapy that have occurred. What do you think are the most exciting technologies that you see coming down the pipe to uh, help people dealing with this dread disease? Well, what's most interesting about cancer is if you think back to, say, 1975, and you walked into a hospital and you were diagnosed with cancer, you, generally the treatment regimen is going to go very similarly. They're going to take biopsies, they're going to study the biopsies, they're going to provide you with radiation therapy or chemotherapy or some combination of the two. Uh, you look back to 1985, a decade later, pretty much looks exactly the same. 1995, even 2005, not much has changed. Now, suddenly, in the last few years, we're starting to see interesting therapies in market. You look at drugs like Doxel, which is a liposomal delivery mechanism for chemotherapy. It helps us deliver the chemicals to uh, the cells in a much more targeted way. And uh, you know, one of the big problems with radiation therapy and chemotherapy, both is you're talking about using toxic materials, the toxic uh, waves in the case of, of radiation therapy, uh, they do damage to the cells around cancer. There was no easy way until now uh, for physicians to target those therapies. Now, in the last few years, we've seen the advent of a couple of really interesting technologies. You know, the first is this kind of liposomal delivery, which helps us get chemotherapy a little more targeted to cancer cells by, by embedding it actually within fat molecules that are more targeted delivery. It's sort of step one, if you will, in terms of targeting the cancer without targeting the rest of the body. And we've seen similar advancements in radiation as well. You look at systems like the CyberKnife, which is much more highly concentrated doses of radiation, but in much more accurate areas. So when you're dealing with sensitive surgeries, such as uh, you know, prostate uh, cancer surgery, then you really want to use one of these more accurate systems. Still, though, even with the CyberKnife's, uh, you know, radiation tends to run all the way through the human body. It does damage in front of and behind the cancer cells, even if you can protect against sort of lateral side-to-side -side damage with more accuracy. 
So we're seeing advancements like proton therapy, where not just the width of the beam can be controlled, but actually the length, where we can actually uh, target the cancer and not damage the cells behind it necessarily if it's operating correctly. And these are all big advancements. I mean, you know, we're starting to see to a point where we can treat cancer, especially cancer that's detected early, uh, more effectively. But ultimately, they don't change the fundamental science of uh, cancer. And I think what's most interesting is that we're now getting to a point where we can take that targeted delivery to the next level, and then also not just deliver uh, chemotherapy and radiation, but even deliver new substances into cancer, proteins that can directly combat it with much less toxicity. It sort of struck me uh, that in a similar way that modern warfare has developed to trying to find insurgents who are blending with the local population and being unable to use the larger types of weapons, it seems that that's sort of where cancer's going. The cancer cells are sort of like the insurgents that blend in with and bond with existing cells and trying to find them and target them seems to be, we know how to kill them, it's actually trying to find them and target them that is the greatest challenge. You're exactly right, Stefan. It's a large part is that cancer is your own body. It's, it's a mutation, it's a genetic disorder, but ultimately the difference between a cancer cell and a normal cell is so minuscule that it makes them very hard to target and very hard to detect. Now, the advancement of uh, biotechnology and genetic sequencing in particular has made it much, much easier for uh, scientists to identify those minute differences and start to experiment with ways to target them. Let me give you a very good example. Uh, for many years now, there's been a technology out there called monoclonal antibodies. And the idea is simple. You know, our bodies have a natural immune mechanism to build these antibodies, which can deliver proteins into cells to help attack disease, and our body can manufacture them very specifically to attack a specific type of bacteria or to even attach to one of our own cells and, and deliver a payload. Uh, if we can develop, and we have been for many years, these uh, antibodies in a lab and develop just a very specific one, that's what the word monoclonal means, just that we're going to have one very specific, exactly identical antibody uh, produced in, at scale, then we can actually use those antibodies to deliver chemotherapy or radiation directly to cancer cells by developing antibodies that only target cancer cells. That's one of the big advancements that's now in early clinical stage testing for one of the companies in the Casey's Extraordinary Technology portfolio. We actually have about five companies in the portfolio today that are attacking cancer in various different ways. Uh, each of the companies has a, a unique approach, whether that's you know uh, the case of the monoclonal antibodies just being better at targeting the uh, cancer with existing types of therapies, or whether it's some of the more advanced techniques we're seeing out of uh, you know, companies that are targeting a specific signaling pathways or genetic behaviors of cancer itself. I'd like to uh, really focus in on some of the investment challenges in biotech. Now, this is with all due sensitivity to the fact that we're talking dollars and medicines, which is sometimes difficult for people, but Clearly, when a drug takes half a billion to a billion dollars to get through to market, uh, you need a lot of cash. And the wise investor, I believe, is also doing a very benevolent service to mankind when he is picking a winner in the biotech industry, where, as you've pointed out, 90% uh, of the firms are heading straight to the dustbin and are taking a lot of talent with them. What are some of the things that investors can do to help focus in on finding the highest value, most beneficial, most health-promoting kinds of biotech companies? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. 
as an investor, you're doing a crucial part in actually helping fight cancer itself. I and mean, it's one of the wonderful things about the free market and the capitalist system is that there's a need here. I mean, there's a, a real honest human need to cure these diseases and it presents a market opportunity and an incentive for scientists who both want to do the right thing and believe that they can uh, make a profit in the pursuit of a cure for cancer. And it's really led to a, a boom in funding. What's most interesting, I think, about technology investing is, uh, you know, the, the most recent complaint from the average investor about technology is all the best deals are private, right? You can now raise $50 million, $100 million, even $200 million from venture capitalists and investment banks and private rounds. It becomes very hard for the latest and greatest to make it to public markets. In the U.S. in particular, regulations have become so severe that you know, bringing an early pre-revenue biotechnology company to market or any technology company to market has a lot of implications in terms of cost. But now, when you start talking about things like targeting cancer, you can be talking about testing a therapy in dozens or hundreds of patients uh, at a cost of you know, hundreds of millions to even over a billion dollars to make it through the regulatory hurdles to get FDA clearance to prove that the therapy is both safe and effective. Uh, it can be at an extreme cost, and uh, no investor is willing to shoulder that burden of a billion dollars for a drug that maybe has a 10% or even less chance of making it to market. But what smart investors have been doing in biotech has been spreading the risk around. Uh, large, biotech, uh, large biotech and pharmaceutical companies are putting uh, more joint development agreements together with startups as opposed to acquiring them directly, allowing venture capitalists and even public market investors to participate with them. So what's interesting about cancer in particular is one of the most expensive diseases to test through clinical trials. There's a great deal of need for large sums of money, and that means public markets, which means a fantastic opportunity for individual investors. But there's real risks there. Whenever you're dealing with biotechnology, you're generally dealing with early-stage pre-revenue companies. There's no guarantee that their therapy will make it from phase one testing to phase two testing to phase three and then to market without some kind of uh, problem being discovered, uh, without discovering that maybe it's not quite as effective as thought once it's tried in the field. Some things look great in a test tube, but put it in the human body and it's either wreaking havoc on the system or it's just simply not as effective as it once appeared to be. So we tend to focus our efforts on sort of mid-stage biotechnology companies. We can look at the science, we can look at the peer-reviewed literature, we can see how these therapies have behaved in a small number of humans in trials, and we can say, all right, these things are looking effective and they're looking safe. And we're at a point now where a company needs a significant amount of uh, cash inflow in order to bring the therapy the next way to market. And that's what's really interesting for investors is we can find those mid-stage companies and you can really understand the science well and understand what they're doing, what they've been testing. Uh, then you can actually provide yourself a little bit of an advantage over the institutional investor who's really looking for that solid revenue stage company, they're doing, you know, screens on PE ratios and, and looking for revenue growth. And you're really looking at that sort of early startup where you're willing to take a risk based on good science, based on good data, uh, and uh, take an investment that can provide, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 times return uh, because you're willing to put in your money early on. Right, right. Now, I think we're all very interested in trying to get as much intelligent investor money channeling towards the companies that have the highest potential success rate in treating 
these illnesses. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the resources that Casey Research has available to investors who want to, you know, make money and I think uh, secure a safer and healthier future for themselves. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Casey Research has a long history, uh, three decades of legacy now, focusing on niche markets where it can bring the expertise to bear uh, to really start to understand the market, know the players in the market, get the science in the case of, you know, the junior resource markets. We have access to the geologists and network of explorers and, and financiers who really understand that industry and help us evaluate the opportunities out there. And we have some of the best people on staff uh, to make investing decisions and to help find source deals and, and guide our subscribers on how to navigate those markets. We've done the same thing with technology. I head up the technology division here. We have a team of analysts who focus on looking at the companies, finding companies that have a strong financial position, that have good management, and ultimately that have good technology. I've been in the technology industry for my entire career. I will continue to stay in the technology industry for my entire career. I work with networks of venture capitalists and angel investors. I go to all the major scientific conferences and try to understand, you know, what's moving forward. Sit down, talk to the scientists, and just have a candid conversation about what's working and what's not in the lab. And from there, we find our best investment opportunities. Now, we focus not just exclusively on biotechnology, but as well on other technology. You'll find that in the pages of Extraordinary Technology, we cover security technologies. We cover semiconductors, the Internet, software, e-commerce uh, type technologies, networking systems, hardware, uh, you name it. We cover across the board, and it's because we have a great resource, a great network of industry contacts who we can lean on to really help us understand what's going on in the market, and help us turn that into actionable investment advice for our subscribers. Good stuff. And uh, again, to, to reiterate to, to listeners and watchers, this is one of the few areas in biotech where you are making money, which is a good thing, and uh, creating future health opportunities for everyone, which is also a very good thing. It really is a win-win negotiation. So thank you so much for taking the time, Alex. Uh, just a reminder, he is the Chief Technology Investment strategist at uh, Casey Research. Thank you so much for taking your time. This has been Conversations with Casey. I'm your host, Stefan Molyneux.